So let's start with terminology. Is it parallel universes or multiverses, or is it the same thing? Those two terms pretty much have become synonymous in the physics lexicon. They both refer to the possibility that what we have thought to be the universe, all the stars and galaxies that you see out there in a nice dark night sky, all that stuff might actually be a tiny part of a much bigger reality that might have other realms that would rightly be called universes of their own. Different areas of research in physics have concepts that invoke these parallel universes or multiverses, though they're each of different flavors. Can you describe some of them? Sure. The interesting thing, as you say, over the last couple decades, or even longer than that, really, is that various investigations have run up against the possibility of these other realms. The simplest one, I think, to wrap your mind around is to think about the Big Bang. We all think of the Big Bang as the beginning of the universe, as some big, massive explosion where space, time, matter, energy, it all came into existence and the universe began to expand. What we have come upon in our research is the interesting possibility that the Big Bang was not a one-time event, not a unique event, that there may have been many Big Bangs, each giving rise to its own expanding realm, each giving rise to its own separate universe. So right there, you see a very concrete way in which our realm might be one of a vast number, maybe infinitely many other realms that could be out there. So when you say more than one Big Bang, you're not talking necessarily about our universe having gone through a Big Bang, Big Crunch, Big Bang, but actually separate universes, each with their own origin. Exactly. Although I should say you raise another interesting possibility, which is another flavor of multiverse, which would be a multiverse in time where our realm, as you say, would emerge from our Big Bang. Maybe in the far future, the universe starts to implode in on itself, although the data is now suggesting that's pretty unlikely. But in principle, the universe could fall in on itself, crunch, as you say, and then maybe a, another Big Bang after that yields another universe, this one parallel in time, not in space. There could even be perhaps other universes that do experience a big crunch and some that don't? Yes, that's right. So the way in which these different realms evolve over time may depend on the details in each of those universes if they exist. And in some of those universes, the conditions might cause that realm to just continue to expand forever. Other realms, the universe might expand for a while, then start retracting and undergo a crunch. And some realms might hover in between those two possibilities. All of that could be happening out there. So that's one flavor of parallel universes. Another one comes from quantum mechanics. Uh, to my mind, it's kind of one of the original ones, the many worlds theory. That's right. It is perhaps the oldest of the modern suggestions that there might be parallel worlds. And this one comes to us from 1957 from the doctoral dissertation of a graduate student at Princeton University named Hugh Everett who was studying quantum mechanics, which has the weird feature of saying that unlike what Newton told us hundreds of years ago, the way the world really evolves is via probabilities. That is, there's some probability for one outcome or another in any given experiment. And the weird thing that Everett focused on was, well, when you do a measurement of, say, the position of a particle, 
you always find it at one location or another. So what happens to the other possibility that the laws of quantum physics said in principle could have happened? And he came to the conclusion that the other possibilities allowed by the quantum laws don't just disappear when you find, say, the particle in one location or another. Instead, they are realized. The particle is found at those other locations, but not in our universe, in parallel universes. So there might be one of me measuring the particle and finding it down near Yankee Stadium in one universe, and there might be another me finding that particle near Shea Stadium or City Field in a different universe. So all of the different possible outcomes allowed by quantum physics are realized, but in separate realms, the so, parallel universes of quantum physics. So basically, every measurement that could be made does get made just in different universes. Exactly right. So any possible outcome allowed by the laws of quantum physics is a real outcome, but they only happen one per universe. So that requires a huge collection of universes in which all of those outcomes happen. I mean, this can really be brought in in some sense to everyday life. When you're walking down the street and you're thinking, should I go left or should I go right? Well, your brain makes a decision, say to go right, but according to quantum physics, there was a non-zero chance that you could have gone left, which means that there is another universe in which you did go left. All of these differences are incredibly subtle at the quantum level. That would imply that if all these differences are possible, there's effectively an infinite number of possible universes. That's right. That's where quantum physics comes down. Correct. Does the me here in this universe know about or can know about the me there in another universe? Well, that's a great question. And again, the first thing I should probably emphasize is that this is just one approach to quantum physics. There are other approaches which don't invoke these other universes. So this is a highly controversial subject. But within the interpretation that invokes these other realms, when it comes to macroscopic beings like us, we don't know about our counterparts in the other realms. But when it comes to microscopic particles, electrons, quarks, then according to the laws of quantum physics, in some sense, the different incarnations of those particles in the different universes can affect each other. They can undergo quantum interference. And we see that kind of quantum interference in experiments. The controversial feature, though, is whether we explain the results of those experiments using interference from parallel universes, or whether we try to explain it solely using a single universe perspective. And the physics community is somewhat divided as to which is the right way of dealing with quantum physics, even though the subject has been around in some form for over a hundred years. Is this kind of the spooky behavior of quantum mechanics, the action at a distance or something like that? That comes into the story. So again, one of the strangest features of quantum mechanics that emerged is this possibility that widely separated objects, even in our single universe, can somehow influence each other or affect each other, even though nothing travels from one particle to another. And Einstein did label this spooky, spooky action at a distance. And people have been puzzling over this feature of quantum physics for many decades now. The wonderful thing is that in the last few decades, it's 
left the realm of theorizing just mathematical equations on a piece of paper and entered the realm of experimental science. So there are physicists right now who are undertaking experiments that in some sense are tapping in to Einstein's spooky action at a distance, manipulating a particle in one location and finding an effect of that manipulation at a distant location. So we've had cosmology, the Big Bang, quantum mechanics, but there are several others in physics. One is called holographic universes. Can you explain that? Yes, that is a curious version of the parallel universe story that has to do with the nature of black holes. And as the story goes, people began to understand from Einstein's theories of relativity, general relativity in particular, that there could be realms in the universe, black holes, where if an object was to get too close to the black hole, it would be pulled in and it would be unable to escape. And this raised a thorny puzzle because when an object call maybe it's your iPhone, your iPad, an encyclopedia, whatever, when it falls into a black hole, it carries information. So the question is, where does the information carried by that object go when it falls into a black hole? Is it crushed out of existence? Does it disappear? Well, that seemed to be the case. That's what Stephen Hawking thought would be the case. The problem is the laws of quantum physics get quite upset if information can be crushed out of existence. The laws of quantum physics fall apart in that case. So information can't be destroyed in that yes, scenario. Exactly. exactly. So the puzzle was, if quantum physics says information can't be destroyed, and black holes seem to say that it is destroyed, who's right? Which, which way of looking at the situation is correct? And in the course of modern investigations, some culminating just in the last decade, it seems to be the case that the information is not lost. Instead, the information is stored on the surface of the black hole. So an object falls in, but all the information it contains, the arrangements of its particles and so forth, gets smeared out on the surface, the thin surface of the black hole. And that begins to sound a little like something that we're familiar with, holograms. A hologram is a thin surface, a thin piece of plastic usually, that when illuminated correctly can create a three-dimensional version of an object. Similarly, here we have a two-dimensional thin surface of a black hole that seems to encode enough information to tell us everything about a real three-dimensional object that fell in to the black hole. So it's as if the surface of the black hole is a hologram storing all the data of objects that fell in, a parallel description, a parallel world, if you will, for everything that has crossed over the edge of the black hole. It's a huge database keeping all the information of everything that fell in. Yes, that's exactly right. And the, uh, the kicker, if you will, is that space inside a black hole is kind of fundamentally the same as space outside a black hole or anywhere else, really. So when you take on board this possibility that all the data that's stored on the surface of a black hole can encode everything about the objects that fell in, you can actually apply that even without the black hole itself, really, which suggests that the space that we are inhabiting right now 
might actually be sitting inside a huge giant sphere, a thin sphere that has its edge at the end of the observable universe, perhaps, which has all of the data that describes the comings and goings in our 3D world, even though it's just a thin two-dimensional surface, which would mean, in essence, that we are all the holographic projection of that distant information. One more example that I thought was interesting, kind of my favorite, is the idea that our universe is actually an artificial simulation. Yes, that's one that leaves the realm of fundamental <laughs> physics, but one that certainly has been adopted in a number of fictional contexts like the Matrix and things of that sort, where you can envision that all that we take to be real could just be the internal electrical firings within some supercomputer that is simulating something that we take to be real. And where this idea becomes particularly curious and goes beyond the matrix, which of course is just a Hollywood depiction of an interesting possibility, is in the hands of a philosopher at Oxford named Nick Bostrom, who made a curious argument, which basically says that it's so much easier to create simulated universes on a computer if it's possible. So let's just take that for granted that in the far future, maybe even today, that can be done. It's so much easier to fire up a new computer program and create a new artificially simulated universe than it would be to create a real one made of the molecules and atoms that we take to be real, which means that in the long run, they're going to be vastly more simulated universes than real ones. And once you take that strange idea on board, you say to yourself, well, how do I know that this universe is real? The odds are, according to this perspective, that it's not. Because among the spectrum of all universes, both real and simulated that are out there, the simulated ones would so outnumber the real ones, if this is a possibility, that the odds are that we are in a simulated universe. It, it reminds me of something I've always been curious about. It seems very subtle and maybe even fundamental. Why math, which is just a abstract intellectual construct, does such a good job of describing our observable reality? And what are the implications of that? Why does the universe behave so logically and like a computer? And it makes you wonder if, in fact, that's why. Right, exactly. No, it's a great question, and we don't have the answer to it. You know, why is it that the architecture of mathematics seems to so align with the architecture of reality? I mean, one answer could be that we humans, using this gray blob inside our head, have fixed on mathematics as an interesting way of encoding patterns. And the world has all sorts of patterns. The Earth goes around the sun daily, spins on its axis, and so forth. So these patterns can easily be incorporated in the language of math. Maybe that's what the answer is. Or like you're saying, maybe math is just the language within which we can easily describe the kinds of computational processes that computers carry out. And maybe we are just a simulation. And that's why the math does such a good job at describing what we see. Moving from these ideas of multiverses, how can we perhaps observe or find more evidence? For instance, is there anything with the Large Hadron Collider that could perhaps shed light on parallel universes? Possibly. So one of the ideas of parallel worlds that we didn't speak about in any detail, but you did mention, is this idea of a brain multiverse. 
And brain there is short for membrane, which is the possibility in string theory, a theory of unified forces that I and many others have worked on for decades. Within string theory, there's the possibility that the largest picture of reality is sort of like a big loaf of bread, where each slice of bread is itself an individual universe. And all that we know is taking place on one slice of bread. Everything is stuck on our slice of space, if you will, in this larger reality. Well, how would we know if there are other slices of bread out there, other universes parallel to ours in this big cosmic loaf? Well, at the Large Hadron Collider, it's possibly that the collisions between protons can be so powerful that some of the debris from the collision can get knocked off our slice of bread. How would we know that? Well, there'd be less energy left in our universe after the collision than before because the debris would take away some energy with it. If those so-called missing energy signatures were to be found, they have not been found yet, but were they, that could be evidence that we are indeed living on a membrane, a slice of bread, and therefore that there would be other membranes out there. So data of that sort would certainly be a curious indication of the possibility that this multiverse idea is actually true. Is there any observational evidence, either present or possible in the near future, that could argue for or against multiverses? Uh, absolutely. It's all, of course, a long shot when you're dealing with such esoteric but mind-blowing ideas. But in this version of parallel universes that comes from multiple big bangs that we spoke about a little while ago, the way to picture that reality in some sense is a big giant cosmic bubble bath where our universe is one bubble and the other universes coming from the other big bangs are the other bubbles. Now, in any real bubble bath, the bubbles can sometimes collide with each other. And the math shows that that can happen with these universes. One universe can have a fender bender with another universe. Now, if our universe got hit by one of these other expanding realms, the math shows that there'd be an imprint in the so-called cosmic microwave background radiation. That's heat that suffuses space left over from our Big Bang. And such a collision would leave little ripples in that heat that in principle, powerful satellite-borne telescopes can look for and possibly find. So again, no evidence yet, but if we were to find the very specific patterns in the heat left over from the Big Bang, slightly hotter spots and colder spots dictated by the mathematics, that again could be indirect evidence that there are other universes out there. Now, there is a possibility that the math and the theories say there are parallel universes out there, but for some reason they're not observable. And I know for many people a theory that involves, say, unobservable or unverifiable things starts moving into science fiction or even religion. How do you address those type of questions? Well, I agree that if a theory is dealing with ideas or features or concepts that are permanently unobservable, absolutely positively could never yield any observational or experimental signature that you're not really doing science any longer because there's no way to test these ideas. And ultimately, science has got to be a testable structure. But everything that we're talking about here today, while difficult, maybe nearly impossible to test, the math shows that it's not 
fundamentally in principle impossible to test. And that to me is a huge difference because there are many things that seemed almost impossible to test when they were first thought of 100 or 200 years ago. Whoever thought we'd be able to manipulate individual atoms, even at the turn of the 20th century, some great scientists thought the atomic hypothesis that matter was made of atoms was wrong, or at least not science because you couldn't test it. And now, 100 years later, we can manipulate individual atoms. So you have to be very careful with ruling things out because they're difficult to test. The other thing that I would also just add as a footnote, but an important one, is that in order to test a theory, you don't have to actually test every single prediction that the theory makes. You just have to be able to test enough of the theory that you're convinced that it is a good description of reality. And in some of these multiverse proposals, the idea would be maybe you can test so many features of the theory here in our single universe that you gain confidence that the theory is correct. And then the theory itself tells you that there are these other realms. And that feature, while not directly testable, comes along as an experimental consequence of the features that you can test. So between these two possibilities, that maybe we'll be able to directly test these theories, or maybe we indirectly test them by verifying the features that we can in our realm, we may, at least in the brightest of all prognoses, get some confidence that these ideas are correct. And would it be correct also to say that if the math and the theory all holds together and that it predicts the observable reality, but it requires as part of that theory the existence of these other parallel universes. You can't exactly cherry pick what parts you like and what parts you don't if everything holds the theory together. That's exactly right. So that's what I meant by saying that maybe we test enough features of the theory in our realm. And as you're saying, most theories do not come along with a menu where you're able to pick that feature of the theory or that feature of the theory. These are tight mathematical structures. And when you accept a theory, you accept the theory together with all of its features. And one possibility would be you test enough features of a theory to gain confidence that it's right. And one of the other aspects that you can't test, but it's an integral part of that framework, is the possibility of these other realms, which you're then forced to accept. You've made a distinction in your books between realists and instrumentalists. Could you explain that? Yeah, well, you know, there's been a whole philosophical area been developed over many decades, all focused on how you define reality and how you test your knowledge of what you think reality is. And some would say that ultimately reality is what you can measure or observe or test with a piece of equipment. And others say, well, okay, fine, I get where you're coming from on that, but there may be aspects of reality that we still want to ascribe realness to that we might not be able to directly access with any piece of equipment, any instrument of science. And there's really no right or wrong answer on this kind of an issue. It ultimately comes down to the personal taste of the physicist or philosopher as to what they're comfortable with in terms of evidence for ideas that we are putting forward. From my personal perspective, I really do want things to have 
verifiable features that I can test through observations using telescopes or using a big powerful instrument like the Large Hadron Collider. I am rooted in experimental and observational data from that perspective. But having said that, I'm open-minded. And if ideas come along that are convincing descriptions of the reality that we have here, but also may invoke things that we can't yet test or maybe can't test for a few hundred years, I'm still willing to consider those as a part of real science. So looking forward to the near term or the distant future, could the multiverse theories eventually lead to something like a grand unified theory that combines all the known forces and everything? Well, we are pursuing the grand unified theory or the unified theory that Einstein famously dreamed about during the last 30 years of his life. And we do have a candidate approach on the table, which is this theory called string theory that I mentioned before. String theory itself has gone in an interesting direction where it does invoke, at least in many incarnations, this possibility of parallel worlds. So we may be inching toward a unified theory, which itself may require these parallel realms. But it's vital to underscore that we are now at the edge of theory. We're at the edge of speculation. We're trying to find experimental ways to connect these ideas with observations. But this is what exciting science is at the edge, at the frontier of discovery. You invoke strange sounding ideas and you beat on them mathematically, you kick them to see if they're solid, and then you try to test them. I mean, when quantum mechanics was introduced in the early part of the 20th century, it was as weird or weirder than any of the things in the multiverse theories that we're talking about today. And people kick quantum mechanics, they beat on it, they were able to experimentally test it, and holy cow, we're forced to accept a collection of ideas that by any classical standards are just bizarre, but they're right. And whether that's the same with the multiverse theories, only time will tell.